Digital Marketing Radio, episode 155. Pay-per-click search for B2B. DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio. Weekly interviews with online marketing gurus. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The big interview with David Bain Now today I'm joined by a man whose agency helps B2B clients to generate leads through the power of pay-per-click advertising. He's been involved with Google AdWords for over a decade now and became a certified Google partner in 2012. Welcome to DMR, Glenn Schmeltzley. Thanks for having me. Well, welcome. It's great to have you here, Glenn. Well, you can find Glenn over at marketingwhatsnew.com. So, Glenn, is Google AdWords still now in 2006 very effective for B2B? I think it's one of a series of platforms that is effective for B2B. And the reason being, it really gave a structure for marketers like us to be able to leverage the internet when we're trying to attract audiences that are going to be receptive to our content and eventually, hopefully, become our customers. Has the way that you use Google AdWords changed a lot over the years? Oh my goodness, yes. Yes, (laughs) Um, there are uh, even pages in that past where even Google wouldn't care to talk about at times where they would be selling fixed positions for a flat monthly fee. Um, <laughs> that's how far back it goes. Wow. Which, um, which year was that? Was that, that, that would have been around or, so? or 2003, four, okay. somewhere in there. Okay. Um, and, and that was my first blush of uh, a run through with uh, Edwards. And I'll perhaps give just a tiny bit of backstory so that we can see how it's coming, how things have evolved. Uh, in my use of it. Um, If we go back to that time, I was uh, a marketer working in a uh, series of client businesses. I was the head of the marketing department or one of the main people involved in marketing. And these would have been started off first with a large company and then moving into smaller companies where we had to be a little more adept at using, you know, very small budgets and stretching that dollar to uh, give us results. And we often were up against larger companies who had budgets back in the day for doing trade shows and large direct mailings or being printed in industry vertical magazines. So we had to figure out ways to be nimble and get uh, a little farther than they did. So AdWords back in those days was a pretty simple tool uh, in terms of just basically going on to the search network. Uh, The display network was the Wild West. Um, Things have uh, changed, of course, but uh, back in those days, you pretty much just had to put in uh, a series of keywords that uh, you felt were representative. You put in your bids, you had some basic ads, and you could get people onto your site. And with any luck, you could hopefully uh, look over a few cubicles to the people in sales or inside sales and, you know, see some uh, activities happening shortly thereafter. Um, To bring it forward, how things have changed a whole lot since then, I would say you could sum it up um, in a macro picture by looking at how much content has since been developed and how social has kind of brought that content out into many different places. And so now instead of a linear progression from google.com 
onto your website, you have to be a lot smarter with getting the uh, click, but that click will happen in a haphazard order. It may not be the first step. Um, and indeed, that action of calling a customer or getting into a sales discussion may not happen right after that click either. It will assist, uh, but maybe there's a few conversions. Uh, B2B people are making a considered purchase. They don't just want to move from finding out about you to immediately starting to talk about your specs or your pricing. Um, so if you're, not, if you're not trying to make a direct sale as a result of the traffic that you drive from your pay-per-click campaigns, is it possible to be quite effective at measuring the impact of what you're doing there? It's harder. <laughs> However, if you have the right content, and what I would assert is you need to have the right logical order of steps that you're taking as you, particularly as you begin in a pay-per-click account, you have to have a battle plan that's going to move you uh, through, I would say, the first several months of doing that campaign to get to the point where you can see that those uh, purchases that you're making are definitely bringing in the type of person who will become a customer. Um, and I say several months, not only for the reason that in B2B, that's usually the sales cycle, um, but we've also found, and this is now kind of in the you know, last five years that I've been uh, really making an agency built upon this practice, we found that you have to allow several months for an optimization process. You're walking onto Google's turf with AdWords. It's a very uh, well-established program. They have figured out many of the ways to make it work in their favor for making a profit. But to make it work in your favor, it usually takes, uh, and we found about four steps that you need to move through to be able to really say that the campaign is going to be bringing in revenue that's going to replenish the marketing budget that you're ending up spending on. So it really should end up at the end of the day being a virtuous circle, um, but it takes a little bit of work to get there. Well, that sounds interesting, those four steps there, because obviously things have changed an awful lot in many ways, certainly in terms of cost. It used to be pennies per click. Now we're talking about potentially even more than $100 per click, depending on the industry that you're in. Yes. So what do you optimize along that process in order to give yourself the, the biggest opportunity that um, what you're going to do is, is going to be profitable? I'd be happy to tell you, and just as an assumption, we marketers always have to start with assumptions, that you have a website that is um, approaching the visitors that uh, come upon it with the idea that you're trying to make them make decisions. Um, you're trying to put a fork in the road in front of them and help understand, help you understand whether or not uh, they are really the kind of person who should be engaging more deeply in your content and if they should eventually be the kind of lead that goes over to your sales group uh, for further discussion. So I, I want to start there because I think we uh, gloss over that too much, especially in our um, fervor of putting new content up. We sometimes just make content for content's sake, and uh, it does have to start with a just a, a common sense question like, well, what hurdle uh, is this uh, piece of content going to try and get the buyer over? Just the hurdle of maybe looking our way or the hurdle of considering our solution for their problem. 
So you have to put that, you know, you have to have content there, but it needs to be logically arranged. Once you have a few of those offers out there, you're ready to begin a campaign. And I would suggest you do something. Um, you see, gone are the days when Google would simply tell us with, it was called webmaster tools then, um, the kinds of keywords that would bring people onto our site and how much traffic it would be. You do get this information when you go into AdWords and we always start our clients there by advising them, look, you want to start by trying to energize your campaign and let's just see if the uh, amount of traffic that you think you're going to get can be acquired using some keywords. Uh, I'm going to go back to a silly old movie. Uh, it was called This is Spinal Tap. Do you remember it? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so there's this one conversation where Nigel is talking to the documentary filmmaker and the filmmaker happens to notice on his amp that there's a volume dial and the volume dial goes to 11. And he says, you know, okay, well, I'm used to these going to 10. Why do they go to 11? Well, no, you have to, you know, to know how you're going to play, Nigel says, you've got to turn it to 11, you know, one, one more, mm. you know. And I think we need to all know what 11 is, frankly, when it comes to our campaigns. You will dial it back. Let's <laughs> make that clear. But you do need to know first uh how much maximum uh, impression uh, reach you're going to get. And you'll look at metrics like your number of impressions, impression share. Um, this is uh, something you're trying to tap into and you need to be able to know that you have uh, a large enough universe of people to make all the numbers further down the funnel work for you. Okay, Do you so want me to go on? So, so, so you're essentially saying that um, you do need to actually pay as much as possible to begin with to actually get some traction in there, and that will probably give you a higher listing, and because of that, a higher click-through rate, and probably impact your quality score. You're going to move it, move through it rather quickly, and we found that there's also a short period of time at the beginning of a campaign where Google is going to maybe give you a little bit of a honeymoon on some of the. Uh, bids that you would need. We're not yet at the point where they're looking scrutinously at your quality score. Okay. What I'm what I'm simply suggesting is at the very beginning that we at least have an understand of an understanding of what the highest number of impressions in a day, in a week could be. Right. Um, but what we need to take from that is an understanding of which keywords out of that vast list that we made are really giving us the most. And that's where we get into the stage of polarizing our campaign. So I don't want you to think that we're spending like drunken sailors. Mm. We we need to first understand where the clicks may be got, but then we need to polarize them. And I, I would just use a simple example of, let's say that you have an understanding that, um, let's say you're, uh, I'll use a common, you know, consumer example. Let's say that you're in the furniture business and you're trying to sell nightstands. You will want to see what number of impressions you get, but you'll want to look carefully to see if their queries are for things that don't relate to furniture, like someone who's typing one nightstand. Slightly different meaning. Slightly different. Uh, so in cases like that, and that's a silly example, but it gets the point home that you need to uh, look carefully and you you will also once you're getting this volume David you'll be able to look at for example uh, I'm a big fan of using the uh, 
tools within AdWords as well as Excel to just dump out the clicks that you're getting over the last little while. And then you're going to sort them. And I can't predict what any one business's magical sort will be, but you'll start to sort, for example, um, bids by search query, or um, you will start to sort things like uh, keywords by click-through rate, CTR. And once you start to do these things, you will start to notice that the ones that are doing badly um, are taking up a good chunk of your budget. Meanwhile, that may be starving the ones that could be doing well. So this polarizing exercise is simply a matter of trimming the things, particularly when it comes to clicks. I want to make that clear. At this point, we're kind of past impressions and we're now looking at the visits that we're getting to our website. And our aim is to try and get the best visitors to our website, uh, the ones that seem to like the ads the most and the ones that seem to type in queries in Google that are really, really close to the keywords that we think describe our product the best. So we're going to be focusing on trying to get those uh, as high as we can to get the number of clicks as high as we can. We're also going to start mm, separating them from each other. So one polarization tactic is to take a lot of people that happen to be in one ad group and divvy them up. And if they seem to, let's say that we're in uh, something where we notice, uh, I, I'm in Canada, and let's say that we have Americans, I'll give you a, another furniture example. Um, they call it a sofa, we happen to call it a Chesterfield. So I might notice that and I might start to divide my ad groups so that I'm not just lumping all furniture together. And maybe I'm even taking my Canadian visitors over into another campaign and just showing the word Chesterfield and ads with that over in my Canadian campaign. Meanwhile, my United States campaign is showing SOFA. I'm taking some more control rather than just let, letting Google decide how that budget should go against each one of those words. I want to be able to configure those myself. But I'm just trying to think of um, B2B examples as well, um, because um, I'm aware that even if someone searches for a sofa online, they may be intending on making a purchase fairly, fairly soon and actually make a purchase directly as a result of that ad. So obviously, um, in a B2B scenario, that's never going to be the case. So right. you, you need to be thinking about ensuring that you can measure things effectively over the longer term. And I guess, I guess that's a much more challenging job to do. Let me give you an example that we worked on recently with a client that might help there. Um, when you have, uh, let's say, a kind of software, we, we've worked with a company that makes software that tracks things. And that sounds very uh, hard to pin down, uh, and it is. Um, they were tracking the um, different issues that, let's say, a company running uh, an oil and gas operation would have and how they're trying to tackle each one of those issues so that they can run more efficiently or uh, mitigate the chance of problems happening. What we noticed was that people who are at the very early stages, the earliest stages, all they seem to have an awareness of is that they should be listing and compiling a list of their risks. 
So they don't know how to do anything except list the risks. We did notice then that those who are farther along have a different question. Their question is, all right, how do I mitigate my risks? So what we told the client and what we ended up working with them on was content that happened that treated each of those two parts of what really is the same journey that someone's trying to take as they take on one of these large software products to try to track something as large as an oil and gas operation. Um, so the kinds of bids and the kinds of messages that we used in our ads to talk about the same software looked very different and reached those audiences depending on where they were in the cycle. And are you, just, are you just talking about Google AdWords here or do you actually trial other paid advertising platforms as well or are you still finding Google AdWords to be by and far the, the most successful place to drive relevant leads from, from a B2B perspective? Funnily enough, in B2B, um, we can take what we've learned over in AdWords and we can apply it in a few other platforms. We always start with AdWords because the traffic is there uh, and it has the highest granularity of control. But Bing is also one, particularly in, in countries like the United States and in cases where you're selling to larger companies, you might find uh, just because of the controls that their IT departments have that those people are handed a Windows device with their uh, standard browser that comes. So uh, that does work. Um, on some other fronts, I would always put uh, retargeting in that mix. And Are you talking about Google retargeting there? Well, they do it, of course. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to overlook ad roll perfect audience, and then you can, in a slightly careful way, you can layer in uh, Facebook retargeting to be able to get uh, to those same people. Uh, the for, aim is, of course, B2B to bring well. them back. We have found that works in some cases, okay. and these platforms are evolving. I mean, the latest one that we're still toying uh, with some of our clients is custom audiences, which is a form of retargeting. Uh, but it's when those customers uh, know who they have and they have fairly large lists of emails. And when you put those in, you can reach that same audience and you may find them in pretty far afield places. So I never want to rule anything out. Um, and we always have to be driven uh, as I was uh, saying in our four-step process, we're, we're kind of beginning with the traffic, but where we'll end up is, of course, with the cost. And you always want to find the most cost-efficient way of uh, completing this whole journey. Just to end this section, actually, Glenn, could you possibly just summarize the four-step um, process just really quickly, sure. if that's okay? Happily. Uh, we had, you want to energize your keywords and ads. You want to polarize your traffic. So those are your clicks or your visits. You want to harmonize uh, your page content, uh, which would be uh, a very important step for conversions. And then finally, as I said, you want to, we use the word economize, you want to make sure that once you've moved uh, the campaign over to, let's say, a CPA or a cost per action uh, bidding system, that you are really uh, making sure that your PPC platform 
is spending as little as possible for each one of your leads. Intriguing. Well, it's um, it's a real science now, certainly uh, pay per click, but it's 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 worth it. Um, do you think that it's still possible for marketers to be very effective in managing their pay per click campaigns in house now, or do you think increasingly it has to be an agency that manages these kind of campaigns for medium to large companies anyway? It really depends. Um, we take it as uh, a. Uh benefit sometimes when we have heard from a client that we've helped along that they have decided to give it in-house resourcing and i think there are cases to be made in both uh sides what i would say that you'd never want to have is a campaign that had been set up by an outsourcer and then there isn't accountability uh when it's you know moved in-house um part of the benefit of having an outsourcer and this is like many of us are in you our can own blame lives. <laughs> you can blame them, but when you're paying your dollars, you're going to pay attention to those, right? It's like yeah. a gym membership. If I pay for a gym membership, all of a sudden, it's a little higher in my conscience to go. Uh, my conscience gets pricked when I don't go. Um, whereas if I knew it was there and it was free, I could say to myself, well, I'll go some other day and I never do. Well, coming up, we're going to be learning about the one piece of software that Glenn couldn't live without. But first of all, have you been listening to my brand new podcast yet, dear listener? You can find it over at castingcred.com. So Casting Cred is a show that helps entrepreneurs, leaders, coaches, trainers, and marketers to become the go-to authority in their niche, harnessing the power of podcasting and live online broadcasting. So if that sounds like you, then castingcred.com is where you need to be. But let's segue into the second section for discussion. So that focuses more on Glenn's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So Glenn, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? I do have to say that when you're managing campaigns, one of the things that I think all of us fall prey to is forgetting what we wanted to do and being able to go back and look at that campaign a little while later. And so I'm a little sheepish uh, about admitting this, but if you have a list uh, tool, uh, we're on Google Apps, and so Google Keep is our tool of choice. But if you can just make a note of something that you wanted to do and then return to it later, let's say three or four days hence, when you go in and you look at your campaign and you're scratching your head, um, something like that uh, can work. Back in the day, I used a notepad that I would keep beside uh, my AdWords campaign, but any type of checklist type of application is really handy. It's a good point. It's so easy to get distracted nowadays. There's so many bells and whistles and different things happening on other websites and emergencies happening. And unless you actually have that list that you've, predetermined that is going to be the most important things to do, you're probably going to be flying off and just um, looking at cats on a YouTube video. <laughs> and, and even within AdWords, it's like an ADD person's dream come true. So you have to be very aware of what intent you had when you went in there. Uh, you're quite right. So here's a slightly more challenging question, and that is, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you intend to try at some point in the near future? So within PPC again, there are a few tools that um, I've heard are all fairly uh, good compared to the ones we use. I, I don't know, but SEMrush is one that uh, I've heard uh, a fair bit about. And I would I recently went to a conference where uh, they uh, 
gave me access to a trial, so I'm going to be checking up on that soon. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, I know the the folks at SEM Rush quite well. They uh, they do a good um, SEM Rush chat every yes. Wednesday on a Twitter actually, so that's a good place to get to know them a little bit. That's so right. um, yeah, thanks for those recommendations. I'll include them in the show notes there at digitalmarketingradio.com. I wish I would have. But I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online now. So what didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I'll give you one thing that we didn't do at all, and that was we didn't do any on-page conversion testing, uh, which I will (laughs) give myself a slap for. But, you know, when the tools that we had to even make web pages back then were so unfriendly and mixed code in with verbiage, it really, uh, it was the last thing on your mind to try and insert uh, scripting uh, pieces that would allow it to dynamically uh, show different text. Um, what I would like to say for anyone who could, you know, because that was only something that existed at a fixed point in time. I think nowadays if someone were starting out and I had a chance to tell them what I would have done uh, differently if I were in their shoes today, it would be to think more like a funnel and to try and structure the content that you're going to put in front, front of someone on a website in a way that will allow them to move through it from the deep from the shallow end of the pool to the deep end great advice and there could be a leaky hole at any point in the funnel it's not necessarily going to be in the first part of the page it could be further down in a form in your website somewhere absolutely yeah oh and but the thing is software has improved so much Um, i remember trying is it google website optimizer i think it was called when it launched in about Mm -hmm. 2009 or so and yes. that was just um, a bit of JavaScript code, and you, it was hard work. It wasn't that too. bad. Yeah, but but then you had um, you've had so much that's happened since. You know, you've got Optimizely and loads of other you know unbounce inc- incredible services that are so easy to use. So it's it's like night and day to how it used to be a few years ago. Yes, what I like now, particularly with those tools, is they've put the numbers and the content in the same place. So you're not constantly juggling back to Google Analytics and saying, okay, what was the name of that variant page again? Mm. So it is getting uh, very friendly uh, for sites to do, and SaaS has made it now very affordable. So you need to merely set up, let's say, a little subdomain on your site. Um, You can sidestep your IT group if they don't want to change the site. (laughs) For you, and you can uh, play away with uh, landing pages to your heart's content. Absolutely, and with the costs of pay-per-click going up, it's um, absolutely essential almost to do it now. Yeah. The this or that round. Okay, so um, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions here, just two rules. Try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ready to go? Ready. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. I would have thought so, yeah. Email contact form or telephone number? Email. Website or app? Both. 
social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Global marketing. I felt the one you struggled most was actually email contact form or telephone number. Do you quite often have telephone number on a landing page and find that to be a good call to action to measure as well? A studio to pick up on that. Okay, in B2B, you have to talk about products and services. Services, particularly professional services, that one would be telephone. Um, so maybe I should have made that my both. But yeah, we are uh, able to use some pretty good geographic targeting and some very good uh, call tracking with uh, those kind of, and uh, they're largely services campaigns because you are trying to connect a prospect with a professional who they will develop a rapport with. And as they say in services, it's the intangible, right? So you need to try and make something tangible. So it's usually, well, this is the place where that service is offered in your city, or this is the place where this is offered by this person who you could call and talk to. So do you use a service that actually gives you a different telephone number for each ad and so you can track the effectiveness of each ad because of that? Yeah, and it has changed over time. I wouldn't recommend any one of them. I would say try and find one where it's a uh, a fit for you. And there is a free option uh, provided within AdWords, uh, but there are obviously some benefits to paying for one and gaining more control over that number. So you have to have a bit of a discussion uh, and look at the pros and cons before you decide how you want to do it. But if you do have someone who will eventually be providing the service, I would encourage you to put a phone number on. Many people still want to have that option. Now, I'm pretty sure that I know what your answer is going to be to the next question, but um, you never know. Uh, you might surprise me, so I will <laughs> try anyway. The $10,000 sure. question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? David, I'm going to have to fudge on this one just a little bit because I, I want to make sure that I don't leave people thinking that it's all about the media spend. Um, but the content that you can develop, it, and I would say this in 2016 because we are past where a simple flat white paper will uh, give people what they need. There needs to be um, a program of consistent quality content that you can have. And yes, because that content is certainly scaled up when you distribute it via a pay-per-click, then you should plan on spending some of it for your PPC. And how do you decide on the content that needs to be written? I would tell somebody to get their nose into their analytics program and try and uncover as much as they can about what people are seeming to find already on their site and look for on their site. And the great thing about social is that if you get to the point where you're kind of sure, but you need validation, use your social media to ask people what they want information on or start providing answers and point them back to your website and look for referrals from those tweets or posts or updates. And if you start to see traction there, then you're clearly on to the right areas where you need to go deeper in your content. 
my number one takeaway. Well, Glenn, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses? The fact that we have used words in marketing, um, and this is pre-digital, um, like a campaign, has done a disservice to the way that we need to approach uh, how we generate interest and in leads uh, online. This isn't a single sprint. It is a marathon. The benefit is that the more consistent you are and the further you move up the maturity uh, stages in how you are running your pay-per-click and what kind of content you're putting in front of your audience, those benefits will pay off perpetually in terms of better uh, conversions, more quality conversions, and more cost-effective conversions. So I would encourage people to take a long-term uh, mentality with this. Uh, they will eventually get there, and they need to think, they need to be deliberate in how they structure their marketing program. It's like Rome. You won't build it in a day. Um, I look at it more like an engineering enterprise. The Romans gave us engineers, um, and I think that the engineering approach to lead generation is the best way to win the war uh, and win the day ultimately. So stop thinking about what you need to do on any particular day and have a, a long-term focus. Would you, would you say three years or something like that is the, the kind of length of time that you should be thinking about? Well, when you're dealing with uh, folks who have to answer to uh, a C-suite and there's certainly finance there, I would say they need to allow several quarters. Mm. Um, the good news is, as someone just this morning said to me when we were discussing their needs, they said justification at first is difficult, but once results in terms of sales leads are coming in, this program gets much easier to justify. Right. So mm. the, the, the truth is that uh, there will be a, a long term game here, but you can see fairly quickly um, and you should be expecting from your efforts. You should be expecting to see conversions climb. You should see your cost per conversion drop. And yes, you'll you'll be optimizing it further and further and further. But you can maybe get 80 percent of the way there within a few months time. Interesting. Well, um, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Um, so thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, thanks for asking and thanks for the opportunity. I have, uh, besides the uh, Marketing What's New uh, agency, which uh, people can find out about at marketingwhatsnew.com, um, we're working to try and make the kind of approach that is working available to more and more people and we want people to learn about it so as i mentioned with how lead gen is more of an engineering uh science now than an art uh we're rolling out a site it's called leadgeneering.com and i would welcome people to come there and they can it's also got a twitter account so if they want to follow us or sign up for updates we'd be glad to share this information freely with them when uh it's available wonderful okay and i'll make sure there's um links to marketing what's new and all the software um, items that you mentioned in this show in the show notes at uh, digitalmarketingradio.com. Great. If people want to get a hold of me personally, I'm at Hey Glenn S on Twitter. Okay, great. Okay, well, I'll include that as well. So um, 
uh, it'd be good if um, people could um, shout out and um, say hi to Glenn and um, what uh, you liked about this particular episode. So yeah, if you uh, enjoyed what Glenn shared today, tell us what you think. Um, of course, an iTunes review is always good, and I might even read out your review in a future episode if that's what you want to do. And if Twitter's your thing, as Glenn said, at David Bain is my handle. Maybe it's your thoughts on a future episode. Maybe it's your thoughts on um, you know what we've discussed, or, or perhaps you'd like to suggest a future guest. Um, whatever it is, it'd be good to hear from you. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios, and uh, thank you again, Glenn. Great episode. Sure thing.